Hi there, and welcome to another edition of Upholding Valor. I'm Jill Atwood, the Director of Communications for the VA Rocky Mountain Region. Upholding Valor is a podcast about veterans, their stories, VA resources, anything and everything to do with veterans. And we want to make sure you're taken care of. We want to make sure you're educated. We want to make sure your family members are educated. And we want to make sure you choose VA. Okay, so today we're going to talk VA Mission Act of 2018. You may have heard about this in the news. It's it's kind of Choice 2.0. So we've got the Choice Program, and now we've refined it, made it better for, for veterans to access care in the community. Um, but I am not the expert. I have someone here who is the expert. And if he's not the expert yet, he will be soon. Right, Barry? That's correct. That's <laughs> correct. Yeah, we're getting up to speed quickly. <laughs> I have Barry Webster here, and he is the business implement- implementation manager, which is just a glorified way of saying he ensures that veterans get access to the care, either in VA or in the community, and then he figures out how that care gets paid for. He's got a big job, and I appreciate you um, stepping into this, Barry, because I know everything's not set in stone yet. We have a few months before the Mission Act rolls out, but let's talk about what the VA Mission Act is and, I guess, how it differs a little bit from the CHOICE program. Okay, absolutely. So um, for beginners, right, the the CHOICE Act was really focused largely around uh, payment mechanisms to get veterans access to care closer to their home. Right. We stood that up in about 90 days, Mm -hmm. just rushed to that because we wanted to make sure that veterans were getting access to care and we were also at the same time able to start to address some of those in-house wait times. Right. Right. So we wanted to have a release valve for that. So it focused almost exclusively around getting veterans to the community, making sure that we had a partner, a third-party administrator, um, right. somebody if, who's going to pay for the bills. Right. If they couldn't get the timely care or the type of care they needed within our VA system. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And in terms of what that looked like, again, because we stood it up so quickly, mm-hmm. um, there was some very steep um, issues and some lessons learned. And sure. so when you say, how, how is the Mission Act different? Well, it integrates those lessons that we learned feedback from, you know, the, the veterans advocacy groups mm-hmm. as well as the veterans themselves. And it also included significant um, improvements in VA operations. So, you know, things like ensuring that we have providers who are getting paid fairly, that right. we can retain them. Right. Um, that ones who previously couldn't take on a supervisory role in their service can now. And so there was some licensure and some other national things that kind of got in the way of some of those things that seem fairly simple, but we we had to uh, seek some congressional assistance and some legal changes to make those happen. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not just about getting veterans to the community. It's about ensuring that the quality is better Mm -hmm. um, and also addressing some of those national issues and getting some legislative assistance in overcoming barriers that we learned about in the last three years during the Choice Act. Okay, great summation. So let's talk about uh, the parameters for Mission Act. Uh, Do we still have the 40-mile rule in there? So let's go back to the beginning in case someone's hearing this for the first time and has no idea what Choice was or even Mission Act is. Yeah, great question. Um, So right now, the standards are still under a comment period. So 
this is a good time to have the conversation because folks can provide feedback. That's true. We're still getting veteran input, stakeholder input. You're right. Right. And so the way that it's proposed right now is that for things like primary care, mental health, and some of the non-institutional care, um, we're setting the drive time standard. Okay. Instead of being 40 miles, it's a 30-minute drive. Okay. So, you know, it adjusts for your your local environment. Sure. So a 30-minute drive. Um, The second important part of that is it's to a face-to-face encounter with a VA provider. Okay. Whereas before it was just to a building, even Ah. if we did not provide the care you needed when you got there. Oh. So that was a major lesson learned. You're right. That is a big change. You're right. And and the second part of that is um, or access to care within 20 days Okay. for, again, mental health, And it used to care. be 30 days, right? It used to be 30 days across the board. Um, for specialty care, 60-minute um, drive time or 28 days. So both of those have come down from the 30-day mark, mm-hmm. and we think that that's attainable, um, but just a little, little bit lower. And it forces us to look internally and make sure we're as efficient as possible because we obviously want to keep veterans within our system and not send them to the community, but we certainly want to give them that option if, if they need it. Right. And this doesn't in any way, you know, diminish our ability to provide care to the veterans. We're right. Not, of course, you know, privatizing. But the other thing about in uh, pointing out that it needs to be a face-to-face encounter, we've spent a lot of time and effort building up these telehealth capabilities, mm-hmm. even for specialty care in some very remote areas that, you know, we know well in Vision 19 and in our region. Sure. Um, So we're still going to provide that care. It's not going to go away just because our access standards are based on face-to-face. Veterans can still choose to to do that, but we're not going to hold it against them, you know, for veterans who don't like that telehealth modality. And we're finding that, at least with the CHOICE Act, most veterans are willing to wait for us if they need to. They choose VA because they understand that, um, you know, we, we, we care specifically to veterans. We have subject matter experts in, in all fields that understand the unique needs of veterans that you may not necessarily find in the private sector. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm biased. I think VA is the, the, the best health care out there. So, um, yeah, we want to make that very clear that we're not privatizing. We're still here for you and your families. Um, we just want to make sure you're taken care of in a timely manner if, if that situation arises where we can't take care of you when we need when when you need it right that's right okay and then so sorry continue i have lots of questions (laughs) but you continue i didn't mean to cut you off no no so again so the balance on that is of course there's some changes in terms of making sure veterans have access to community care Um, on the other side of that there's enhanced abilities for us to pay for medical schools uh, to uh, back pay education for our providers the recruitment stuff for sure so they've been very thoughtful in you know, what little bit of money came with the Mission Act, mm-hmm. we'll probably have to, you know, find more or figure out how that's going to work. But they were very thoughtful about ensuring that it was balanced between enhancing care in the community while also um, making sure we're retaining providers, getting high-quality providers in the system. Sure. So we're still working both sides of it. Yeah. And then there's also, um, there's two other things we can touch on. Um, uh, urgent care. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about urgent care because that wasn't in the choice program. This is new for the Mission Act. Absolutely correct. So, 
again, you know, I have my, my opinions on how this is going to help the veterans and, you know, I'm sure they'll give me feedback after this, but, (laughs) um, yeah, it definitely was not included in the choice act. So what the proposed standards are right now is that veterans can choose to go to an urgent walk-in facility anytime that they choose. And of course, you know, that's to differentiate, um, urgent walk-in versus an emergency room. Right. So it's, you know, We're talking those clinics that are out in the community, urgent care clinics. Yeah, your minute clinics, your Instacares, where you're um, somewhere between the level that you would get at primary care, maybe a little more serious than that, but not Mm -hmm. quite to emergency room. Right. Okay, gotcha. And so that's what we wanted to open the door to because that's a need. So the veteran can choose to do that anytime on their own. They don't need permission to go there. Um, and for the first three visits, if you are a service-connected veteran, it is proposed that you would not have a copay. Okay. On the fourth visit and thereafter, there would be a thirty-dollar copay for the urgent walk-in appointments, and that's in the proposed rule. So they're still receiving feedback. Uh, non-service-connected veterans would always receive a thirty-dollar copay for the urgent walk-in services. Um, and again, there's no cap on the number of times you can you can go. Now, would they be responsible for paying that copay right then, or is that something VA would bill them for later? Okay, yeah, great question. It's going to be billed later, similar to the way they handle their copays within the VA. So okay. again, we're trying to keep it as close to what they experience in the VA as possible, so that they're not having to learn new rules and have a different fill. There's so much to this Mission Act, and we're not going to talk about all of it, but the final piece I did want to talk about was the caregiver support, uh, additional benefits in in that particular program. Yeah, that's that's great. And um, I don't know as much about the caregiver support because it doesn't fall (laughs) under me. But yeah, of course, that's an an important part is ensuring that we uh, continue to allow veterans to stay in their home, Mm -hmm. uh, get the closest or highest level of care they can get in their home without having to um, be away from their family, their support group. And we know a lot about that veteran-centric model or the, um, you know, the holistic model. And so, yeah, that's really just to add additional money funding and emphasis on ensuring they can stay in their home and um, they're not going to lose benefits. Okay. So let's talk about Mission Act rolling out. June 6th is Mm -hmm. the day. So I'm a veteran. I'm listening to this. I have used the choice program in the past, or maybe I haven't. What can I expect? So I go to schedule an appointment, and um, I have the option maybe of going to the community. So what does that conversation look like or sound like? Yeah, going back to the beginning of our conversation, your Mm -hmm. first question, the largest change here is going to be that conversation should be occurring with you and your provider. Okay. The emphasis is on the provider having tools that as they're looking at your care needs and your care plan Mm -hmm. to be able to present to you there at point of service, here's what our wait time is in the community for what I'm recommending. Here's what the wait times are in the VA for what I'm recommending. And again, going back to those earlier standards, if you right. meet the the requirement, we're going to have that conversation with you about where do you want to go. Mm-hmm. We're always going to want to keep you in the VA as much as possible. Right. We want to continue your care. Um, but you make the decision. We document your decision, mm-hmm. and then we get you to the community. Uh, so I think the major change will be um, that that conversation should be occurring with your provider okay. versus after you've walked out of the room and some individual who you may or may not know (laughs) who checked you in for the appointment, having that conversation with you. Okay. And um, a big question that we hear from veterans is, well, I have a doctor in the community that I'm already using. I really Mm -hmm. like that person. Will I still be able to use that particular provider? Okay. Yeah. And I I guess, yeah, we did miss one, one thing in there. So 
for those veterans that are already under what used to be called the 40-mile rule, mm -hmm. where they've already got a provider that we're paying for, um, that coverage will continue for an additional year under the Mission Act. Okay. Um, there are some states, such as Montana and Wyoming, where the, uh, the Act specifically specifies that they can continue to request for all of their care in the community if they so choose. Okay. Okay, so having a, kind of set that up. The veterans would contact their local community care office and make a request to, for the type of care that they want under that 40-mile grandfathering or okay. or if you're in Montana or Wyoming. Um, that will go to your VA provider or the chief of that service to review and make sure it's clinically appropriate. Mm -hmm. As long as it's clinically appropriate, we're going to approve you to continue to get care in the community with the providers that that you currently have. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only wrinkle that's on the VA side, this is not the veteran's responsibility. Right. We need to go get those providers that you like and love and use to sign up for the future community care network um, so that we can use them. But that's on the VA to, yeah. to do. And they may already be in the network, but if they're not, there is a process for getting them included. Right. And, you know, when we first gear up, what we know is that may take you know, a month or so. And sure. so if your care plan doesn't allow that, mm -hmm. um, we're going to steer you to high quality doctors that are already in network. And then if you continue to need the care in the future, we can adjust you to the doctors that you want to use once we get them signed up. Well, and we don't have the numbers in front of us, but in many cases you may wait longer to go out and see a provider in the community than you would um, within VA. So, and and we're going to do our best to, to try to illustrate that or, or, or show those options. Am I am I on target here? You're absolutely on target. Okay. And so um, back to the original question. So for those that are not under those special authorities, mm -hmm. um, they're going to, again, meet with their doctor who's going to look at their care plan. And he can make a decision on either the, the wait time, drive time standards, or they can just simply say, hey, this, this care plan would be better suited in the community or closer to their home, mm -hmm. right? And so they can place a consult for that community care and and we're going to get you out to the community with a provider that, that you agree to be seen mm -hmm. with. You know. And if you have recommendations on where you want to go, we'll, right. we'll get them in network again. So that leads me to my, my next question. It, it's different how these appointments are set up because last time we were dealing with a third-party administrator. Right. And I know there were some hook, hiccups with, with the scheduling and also with the bill payment on, on the back side of that. So how has that changed? Okay. And that, I think, was a major stressor for 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 veterans. So if we've alleviated that problem, that's going to be huge. Yeah, for veterans, for our community partners, for the for the for the VA employees themselves. Sure. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a challenge. And again, that stems back to that quick timeline when we stood it up. And mm -hmm. so, um, how it's going to look different is your community care, your VA community care staff will be scheduling those appointments. They will be doing the follow up to make sure that you attended your appointments and. And those things that uh, we would have done if you'd stayed in the VA, right? So we're trying to mirror it. Uh, on the payment side, the only thing that our third-party administrator is doing is paying bills. So with the VA focusing on the care coordination, the scheduling, and all of those uh, veteran-facing parts, mm -hmm. um, we feel like this is a better setup for, for the veteran to be successful in getting the care they need. And then we'll work with the third-party administrator between us and the VA to get them paid. Um, all indications are that they would, you know, be paid well within four to, to ten days because all the billing will now be electronic. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's where we found a lot of the delays before were because of paper processes or sure. kind of bureaucratic stuff that we'd set up, and we've relieved most of that under the Mission Act. Okay, so what is your team doing right now to get ready for this? Yeah, great. We're, we're looking at where veterans are currently going in the community today and trying to get ahead of building that network and working with um, potential, um, you know, those that are bidding on the sure. contract to get that network built um, for our area, which is Region 4, mm-hmm. not that that matters to the veterans, but uh, for our region, because there will be four contracts nationally, uh, that should be announced pretty soon here in April. Okay. And then the contractor has a year to develop their network. And that's why, even though it goes live on June 6th, our payment, our con- our new contractor won't come into effect until about April 2020. Sure. But the veterans don't have to worry about that. Right. Because in the meantime, we've still got a partnership with TriWest. Uh, the current TPA, who is paying bills on time. They're doing a great job developing the network, and uh, they're just going to get better over the next 12 to 18 months until the new one comes in. Well, okay. So Mission Act rolling out in uh, June here of 2019. Barry, thanks for stopping by and and talking about it. I know some things will change. There'll be more information, more detailed information coming out as we get closer. So, um, you know, stay tuned to the local VA websites. Um, Look for that information. It should be coming soon. And I know that each facility is working on real solid um, grassroots efforts to to make sure this goes as smoothly as possible for the veterans so they don't notice any change. That's our plan. Our our main goal is to make sure that veterans are taken care of in in a timely way. So I appreciate it, Barry. Thanks so much for listening to Upholding Valor, and we'll see you next time.